Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you, including uh, special guest William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Dr. Chad Savage is the founder of Your Choice Direct Care. We'll also visit with uh, Ryan Young. He's a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture, author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It is April the 28th, and on this day in 1965, in an effort to forestall what he claimed to be in a communist dictatorship in the Dominican Republic, uh, President Lyndon Baines Johnson sends more than 22,000 U.S. troops to the island nation. His actions uh, provoked protests in Latin America and skepticism about many in the United States. Troubles in the Dominican Public Re- Republic began in 1961 when longtime dictator Rafael Trujillo was assassinated. He had been a brutal leader, but he was strong anti-communist stance helped him retain the support of the United States. His death led to the rise of a reformist government headed by Juan Bosch, who was elected president in 1962. The Dominican military, however, despised Bosch and his uh, liberal policies. He was overthrown in 1963. Uh, political chaos gripped the Dominican Republic at various groups, including the increasingly splintered military, struggled for power. By 1965, forces demanding reinstatement of Bush began attacks against the military-controlled government. In the United States government, uh, fear spread that another Cuba was in the making and that in the Dominican Republic. In fact, many officials strongly suspected that Cuban Fidel, leader Fidel Castro was behind the violence. On April 28th, more than 22,000 U.S. troops supported by forces provided by some of the member states of the Organization of American States, kind of like a U.N. type of thing for the Western Hemisphere, landed in the Dominican Republic. Over the next few weeks, they sought an end to the fighting and helped install a conservative non-military government. President Johnson declared that he had taken action to forestall the establishment of a communist dictatorship in the Dominican Republic. As evidence, he proved that provided American reporters with lists of suspected communists in that nation. Even cursory reviews of the list revealed the evidence was extremely flimsy. Some of the people on the list were dead. <laughs> Many Latin American governments and private individuals and organizations condemned the U.S. invasion of the Dominican Republic as a return to gunboat diplomacy as in the early 20th century. When U.S. Marines invaded and occupied a number of Latin American nations, including Cuba, in the United States, uh, politi- politicians and citizens who were already skeptical of Johnson's policy in Vietnam heaped scorn on Johnson's statement about the communist danger in the Dominican Republic. Such criticism has become more and more familiar to the Johnson administration as the U.S. became more deeply involved in the war in Vietnam. To this date, I have to admit, I wasn't even aware that we we had uh, taken troops into the Dominican Republic. It's such an interesting background to me and what's happened. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis departed Florida to embark on his 2023 international trade mission. It included stops in Japan, South Korea, Israel, and the United Kingdom. Now, these stops uh, are pretty important, and they uh, really garner, after all, we're, I think I read the fifth largest uh economy in the world, that is the state of Florida. He stopped in Japan and then went to South Korea. He spoke to the South Korean business community on Wednesday and also announced a South Korean-based corporation will open a facility in Florida aimed at bolstering aerospace innovation. Uh, the, he's, uh, the company is called Low Carbon, Hyd- Low Carbon Hydro... Hydrogen Corporation, which was set to break ground in Polk County. The company is collaborating with Space Florida to support the development and employment of clean hydrogen and related technologies for aerospace and space industry. 
our state is taking a bold step towards promoting long-term development in aerospace and space industry across the entire supply chain, DeSantis said. From manufacturing and launching to fuel production, Global is a glo- Florida is a global leader in the new space economy. Monday morning, he said, announced his first stop in Japan where he met Prime Minister, the Prime Minister there. In Japan, the governor emphasized Japan's largest investment in both the United States and Florida. He urged more Japanese investment and brought in up the expansion of direct flights at, to and from Florida and Japan. It'd be kind of interesting. So uh, I don't think we should diminish this, uh, diminish or dismiss this as a junket. It's certainly not, and it creates a lot of business for Florida. Well done, Governor. From the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, if you're not familiar with them, just Google it or find out more about it. From the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, here are their thoughts. Republicans have long been known to be the stupid party, but they finally did something really smart. Yesterday, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy used all of his political heft to cram through a commendable fiscal package that now puts Biden and the Senate Majority Leader Schumer in a box with walls that are collapsing on them. Positive features of the bill include work requirements for welfare benefits for able-bodied adults, more domestic energy production, no funding for 87,000 new IRS goons, 1% cap on spending, no $300 billion green energy slush fund, no new major regulations without approval by Congress, and a one-year rise in the debt ceiling. These are all things we've called for from the beginning, and they've added uh, virtue uh, of being popularly, politically popular. The ball's in your court, Joe. Good luck to Schumer and getting a debt ceiling hike with no conditions attached. Our view is Republicans in the House should recess until Biden agrees to negotiate on the debt ceiling. Uh, after all, <clears throat> they are the ones that too, ran the debt into the stratosphere with a $6 trillion blowout spending spree. The stupid party now just got smart. Let's see what the evil party does. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is still insisting that raising the debt ceiling is not negotiable. Hmm. Well, the cost of servicing the federal debt hit the highest level in 23 years in the first quarter of this year, a Thursday report uh, from the Bureau of Economic Analysis indicated. Federal spending on interest rates rose to 3.5% of GDP, the highest such mark since the first quarter of 2000. In dollar terms, the federal government spent about $230 billion on interest in the quarter, now that comes out to about close to a trillion dollars a year. Net interest close costs are now a key indicator of the health of the federal government's finances. They've been cited by both Democrat and Republican administrations as a sign of how much room the Treasury has to take on further debt. Even though the government has run massive deficits in recent years, thanks especially to emergency pandemic spending, interest costs stayed, uh, stayed low because interest rates fell to historic lows, allowing the Treasury to finance huge amounts of new debt cheaply. But that's all changed, hasn't it? In fact, Treasury Secretary uh, Yellen, for example, cited low interest rates in calling the Congress to act big in the 2021 approval of massive corona spending, relief spending. That just uh, shows the wisdom of Janet Yellen. This is just the beginning. Uh, interest rates costs are projected to break records within a decade and eventually become the largest federal expenditure. That's unbelievable. If interest rates continue to rise, uh, every interest point hikes uh, Washington's interest costs by $3 trillion over, the, over a decade. $3 trillion, one percentage point. Well, we knew it was coming. Hopefully, uh, we'll bring inflation to its knees. And when we do that, that will lower interest rates and get things back in line or move it in that direction. Bernie Sanders and other fans of socialism used to demand enactment of policies such as those in socialist Scandinavian countries, Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. In an October 2015 presidential debate, for example, Democrat Socialist Sanders said, I think we should look to countries like Denmark, like Sweden and Norway, and learn from what they have accomplished from their working people. But a recent Foundation for Economic Education report notes, in some ways we are more socialists than they are. Sweden has a 100% nationwide school voucher program for schooling instead of the costly, underperforming, socialized education system we have. None of the Scandinavian countries are a nationally imposed minimum wage law, and Scandinavian countries are all have lower corporate income tax rates than the United States. Interesting information. So don't hype Sweden 
or Denmark anymore as socialists. They're not. In fact, we are more socialists than they are. On uh, uh, Fox News announced their channel was parting ways with Tucker Carlson, the top-rated cable news host on television. Following the news, uh, Fox Corp took a nosedive. Uh, the corporation lost a billion dollars in value over the following, the following the news. And the bleeding is just starting. Fox News lost nearly half of their audience as Tucker's 8 p.m. time slot. He was averaging 3.2 million viewers. And on Tuesday, Fox News had only 1.7 million viewers at 8 p.m. Some bloodbath is what it amounts to for uh, Fox News. What are they doing? Tucker Carlson's two-minute video posted on Twitter containing his first comments since he was fired by Fox News on Monday gained more than 60 million views as of Thursday afternoon. Amazing. Carlson's video was posted at 8.01 p.m. Wednesday and had racked up 60.5 million views by 3.30 p.m. on Thursday. It didn't address the abrupt departure from Fox or the host to a high-rated cable news show, what he plans to do next. He's yet to comment on what led uh, to the Carson uh, Carlson's firing. By comparison, President Joe Biden's video announcing his intention to run for re-election posted on Twitter at 6 a.m. on Tuesday had 41.9 million views uh, by the same time on Thursday. So, got about two-thirds of that of what the Tucker Carlson got. Where's the attention of the country? And he, <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Well, the majority of Americans are worried that the government is spying on them, according to a recent survey. I thought it was just me. No, it seems pretty pervasive. In a national poll of likely U.S. voters, Rasmussen reports discovered that 74% of Americans, just under three-quarters of the population, are either very concerned or somewhat concerned that the government is spying on them. The results were indeed bipartisan, with 66% of the Democrats and a giant 89% of Republicans sharing similar concerns about the secret activities of the government. Notably, there are more Republicans who are very concerned about their own government than foreign governments. 70% of uh, likely Republican voters are very concerned about the activities of their government, 3% more than those very concerned about the foreign government spying. So Americans are getting very suspicious of what's happening with the federal government. Only 25% of the population are either not concerned or not at all concerned about the government spying. In other words, they haven't got an idea what's, <laughs> any idea what's going on. Some people are just uninformed and don't care. The Rasmussen survey also revealed that there's not a wide disparity in how American population feels about their government and foreign governments. 82% of Americans reported feeling concerned about foreign governments spying on them, a difference of just 8%. Isn't that interesting? This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples, longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, research, uh, I should say, senior legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by InternationalHealthPlans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, you should know that most health insurance plans here in the United States don't cover international travel. And you want to travel with confidence to know you'll be taken care of if you're sick or hurt and traveling abroad. And you can do that by visiting the website InternationalHealthPlans.com. InternationalHealthPlans.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Ryan Young, Senior Economist at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure. Uh, William, tell us about the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we represent ordinary Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. A lot of that going on. It's expanding market. <laughs> Alas. <laughs> Alas, indeed. So uh, I wanted to talk to you about what's happening on Capitol Hill. And let's just start off with, uh, I think, McCarthy being a magician. He pulled off uh, passing a debt ceiling bill. Why don't you get your thoughts and commentary about that? Well, this indeed it is a big accomplishment for Speaker McCarthy. Um, so at 2 a.m. on Wednesday, after some wheeling and dealing, um, they got a debt ceiling bill passed. And this is the limit. Save and Grow Act, about which we spoke last Friday. Um, in brief, it would raise the debt limit $1.5 trillion um, and in return would impose discretionary spending caps, uh, claw back some COVID money that has been unspent, and uh, end the climate subsidies, among some other good ideas. Um, but the long and short of it is uh, few expected uh, McCarthy to actually actually cobble together a majority. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he's only he's got a razor thin um, advantage in the, the House of Representatives, and he did it. Um, and so now the ball is very much in the president's court. Um, you know, for months he has been saying, "Look, I need a plan before I can even think about negotiating." And all of a sudden now he, he's got such a plan. Um, to be sure, the, the the bill that House passed, you know, is far from perfect, but. Rarely is, is any legislation. And in any case, uh, you know, again, it's uh, not it's more than symbolic. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, it puts the ball in the president's court. Yeah. Um, and thus far, they're remaining steadfast in their refusal to negotiate uh, negotiate um, and their demand for a clean uh, debt ceiling bill, one without any such spending cuts, conditions and whatnot. Um, but there is pressure building from within the Democrat Party on Capitol Hill, um, on Biden. We've had a number of representatives, uh, Jared Muskowitz from Florida, Debbie Dingell from Florida, I'm, I'm sorry, from Michigan, um, Haley Stevens from Michigan, Senator Joe Manchin. And there's also been other whispered um, uh, admonishments of the president for refusing to negotiate. It's been reported in things like Politico. So uh, that is to say... Um, uh, you know, after this unexpected victory from Speaker McCarthy, um, we'll see how it plays out. And the the clock is ticking. Yeah. Um, so we're in the midst of these so-called extraordinary me- measures by the Treasury Department, um, which are expected to last until, I think, late June, which is when the rubber meets the road, when we'd actually be dealing with uh, the, the specter of default. Mm. So we'll see how the president responds. 
Does it surprise you, because of what you mentioned, uh, that no Democrats had all voted for this bill? In other words, it seems to me they have to go back to their constituents and, and justify their votes and their positions on this. This is pretty darn important, and uh, to me it seems irresponsible to not, uh, to not uh, support the bill. Holy moly. The Lord, do I agree. I and mean, we've spoken a number of times. I mean, the national debt at $31.4 trillion, that's with a T, um, that is indeed, uh, that's a freight train coming. Um, so, yes, would I, well, surely, would I, would I hope that there are electoral ramifications for the Democrats seemingly, uh, you know, to date, at least the White House's steadfast refusal to even negotiate on this matter of seeming great importance. Um, yes, I wish it was so. Do I know how the American voter will react? Um, I can't prognosticate that. But no, to be sure, uh, I certainly agree. Yeah. Well, it's, again, making sausage is not a pretty sight. <laughs> so, <laughs> Indeed. So uh, uh, just changing topics, uh, uh, Biden has announced his uh, intention to run for president in a three-minute video. Kind of interesting. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yes, so this is on Tuesday. The video was released um, pretty anodyne. I mean, it, it was, I guess it's titled Freedom, and I, the, the, the big line here was, the battle for the soul of America continues. Um, so evidently that was a line that he had in his 2020 um, campaign announcement video. Um, I thought it was notable. There's no mention of uh, either any of his policies nor of the state of the American economy or society, really. I mean, it was, again, kind of high-level fluff. Um, but, you know, I guess that's par for the course with respect to how he ran in 2012, which yeah. is to say, you know, to not say much and to sort of fly under the radar. Uh, I'll note this. Uh, his announcement comes in the face of brutal polling. Um, you know, 73, this is an Associated Press poll, so this is, you know, we can trust this one. Um, 73% of Americans say that he shouldn't run, and that includes 52% of Democrats, which is remarkable. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, you know, again, if 2020 is any indication, then we won't expect much campaigning for the president. You know, I know my uh, my listeners right now are aware of this, but I found the video to be cringeworthy. It was just a pack of lies. <laughs> <laughs> and, to and to tout freedom when he, in one breath and, and say it in another breath, you know, we're getting, we're losing our patience with you if you're not getting uh, vaccinated. You know, these types of things. Is, <laughs> The, the lack of uh, uh, clarity on the on these issues is just remarkable. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, he's taking the country, he's saying, let me finish the job. And what does that mean to me? It means he wants to take the company, the country down the crapper. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, shoot, I'll note this. There's nothing more dangerous than a second term progressive president. You know, they face no electoral accountability whatsoever. So. Um, I agree that the, the, the danger is well nigh. And I'll also note one thing, the lack of clarity in the video, that's by design. I mean, yeah. that, that's the best PR that money could buy. Um, you know, obfuscation of, of reality is part and parcel of, of, alas, any political campaign, but in particular, our current president. Unbelievable. By the way, to me, I think it's very interesting uh, that Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, is entering the race. Uh, Biden's already said there's going to be no debates. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I think Kennedy is a smart man. I think he's got integrity, and if we had to have a Democrat president, I would select him. So this is this could get very interesting. Well, I don't disagree with that. He's certainly got the resources. But, you know, if, if history is any indication, if, if the Democrats rally around Biden, then they, they can effectively snuff out um, any antagonistic voices, any primary challengers. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, to be sure, I hope that Kennedy can prosecute his case in the media. But um, I, I do uh, I'm doubtful that the Democrat machine will uh, sort of allow him to become a fly in the ointment. Yeah. William Aitman, again, a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. PacificLegal.org is the website. I hope you check it out. William, really appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Chad Savage, the founder of Your Choice Direct Care. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, going to be visiting with uh, Ryan Young, who's a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Right now we have with us Dr. Chad Savage. He is the founder of Your Choice Direct Care. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Pleasure being back with you, Bob. Thank you. So, Doctor, uh, let's start off. You wrote a great column, and I'm looking forward to discuss that about how Congress can save Medicare. But tell us about your choice, Direct Care. Sure. So that's my own individual practice. It's a type of practice that's taking advantage of a new model that's rapidly growing in the United States called direct primary care. And there's a lot of these practices down there where you are in Florida And these are practices that have recognized that the third-party payer system, the insurance of the government have caused uh, by by controlling the money and how it flows through our system, have unwittingly destroyed my industry. And we're trying to get it back by putting the patient back in charge. Uh, And the best way to do that is to actually be the employee, work directly for the patient. So we're membership model practices. We um, Just as an example of mine, every practice is different. We're all independent. It's not a franchise. But my practice between $49 and $89 a month, uh, we'll see the patient uh, as many times as they need to be seen. There's no charges for that. That's all-inclusive. Everything we do in the practice, procedures, swabs, all that are, are included in that price. And then we combine it to make it very, very cost-effective with uh, massively discounted wholesale med labs and imaging and what I didn't understand when I started this practice is that the markup on those things isn't in the tens or hundreds of percent, but actually can be in the thousands of percent. Wow. So it's not uncommon for us to be 95% cheaper than what people can access those services um, it, it directly through the normal insurance-based market. Well, thank you for that, doctor. Now, uh, I'm guessing that the bottle is, I say, you should get catastrophic care health insurance that has a, perhaps a big deductible so you can take care of the big th- things, but you're taking care of the stuff where you n- normally see your primary care physician. Yeah, it's kind of analogous to first-dollar coverage. First-dollar coverage for people in the insurance industry understand that's where people spend an exorbitant amount of money to get an insurance product right. that will pay your doc the very first time you see them. The most plans nowadays are these catastrophic, well, they're not catastrophic in the classic sense, which is very inexpensive insurance. Right. Um, they're very expensive insurance. It doesn't cover anything. And so you end up paying $5,000 out of pocket before your insurance pays anything. Well, when you have direct primary care, you're essentially, uh, you're, you're, you know, it's already covered. Essentially, you're, you're coming to see your doctor and the very first visit is covered 100% under the membership model. So uh, you get the advantages similar to a first dollar coverage. And yet you can combine it with less expensive catastrophic care. And I wrote an article in Town Hall a couple of years ago, which indicated my own family saved $86,000 over premium costs by combining uh, health sh- uh, sharing, which is a, an alternative coverage product, 
um, with direct primary care in just five years. Wow, that's amazing. Well, uh, Dr. Chad Savage, you get founder of Your Choice Direct Care. Now, you wrote a piece for the Washington Examiner, How Congress Can Save Medicare, and it certainly needs saving. Maybe you can tell us about it. Sure. So what uh, motivated me to write this is I was watching the State of the Union a couple months back. And if you recall, President Biden and the Republicans on hand actually got in an entertaining, contentious exchange when he made the claim that they were trying to sunset Medicare and they became raucous, objecting to that characterization. And then finally, at the end, they seemed to get into some semblance of some bipartisan agreement that no one was going to touch Medicare. Yeah. Well, the problem is people were paying attention, realized that that's actually that's uh, an impossible uh, expectation that essentially it's, it's agreeing to that everybody's going to drive towards a cliff and we're all going to put blindfolds on. Uh, Medicare trustees have indicated that Medicare is going to run out of funds by 2028, which is, could be catastrophic. And the only way to avert that would be to massively increase taxes or to start rationing care, meaning fundamentally change the system as they all agreed not to do, mm -hmm. um, or better yet, would be to actually fix the system, actually fix the incentives that, that cause it to be disrupted. And what I, when I started looking into this several years ago, I realized that the structure to do so already exists. Everybody's talking about new laws, trying to change laws. Well, there's actually something in the, in, in Medicare statute already, already exists. It's hard to find them. They're not widely available and need to be more so, but they're called medical savings accounts. And this is for Medicare recipients. So what they are in essence, is there a fund? that is actually supplied by Medicare that the patient controls. It's, it's much like a health savings account. So it's an account that is owned, actually becomes part of the estate of the Medicare recipient if they manage it well, can go to their heirs when they pass away. And again, it's first dollar coverage in essence. The money that would have been spent on the Medicare bureaucracy is instead given to those patients to manage themselves. And, and that puts the patient back at the center of the financial health care transaction. And anybody who's in business or, or understands how the economy works understands that the, in, the incentive is always to make the payer happy. So our current system is the payer is the insurance company or, the, or, or, or government. Mm -hmm. So the patient is there, and the, hopefully there's good altruistic doctors trying to take good care of them, but they're always somewhat distracted trying to make sure they can actually get paid for what they're doing. Well, when the patient is also the payer, is the boss, everything aligns and and the entire focus is to provide that patient with high quality cost effective care um so the medical medi the medical savings accounts msas uh again just as an example you could get like two thousand dollars a year put into these in, uh, accounts every year to use for your low cost um outpatient type uh transactions and it's been estimated about 91 percent of those are totally consumerizable meaning you could shop around and get the best quality and care yeah. and that would again totally incentivize the system and would make it more cost effective increasing the longevity of, of medicare itself and not only that doctor but i i believe you can use it for things that normally isn't aren't covered by insurance for example health insurance like uh, dental or eyeglasses and that type of thing 100 percent and uh, more importantly, too, even the things that are supposedly covered, anybody who works with insurance companies and, and Medicare understand that just because they cover outpatient medical management or hospitalization doesn't mean carte blanche they do anything that you want. Um, many times you have to stick to artificially restrictive networks, which right. are insurance networks. That's an artificial construct because of how we pay the system. Um, or you have to get authorization um, you know, uh, for the procedure or referral and, and many times could be rejected. But when you control those dollars, the only authorization you need is your own. Amazing. And so if I understand this correctly, puts the patient back, it's patient-centric, patient makes decisions, has a medical savings account, uh, has maybe catastrophic care insurance uh, for, for usually a much lower premium, and uh, getting uh, something like uh, Your Choice Direct Care in, in our community to uh, to take care of your, uh, well, let's say, primary care needs. And it sounds like a win-win-win for everybody involved. Yep, everybody but the uh, but the, the, the immense bureaucracy that's developed on the back of our health care system that, again, I'm not trying to slander the people. There are good, well-intended people who right. work in the industry, but they have jobs that don't contribute to your health care. They just siphon off of it. I mean, think about the army of billers and coders in the health care system. Well, most of those wouldn't be needed, at least to this. You always need some to work those bills and such. But when I, and, and I know this firsthand because I used to run an insurance-based practice, and when I switched to direct primary care, 
we cut our overhead by 50%. Wow. We, 50% was based on the billing and coding and essentially dealing with the bureaucracy. So it's not just direct billing and coding. Because they're not you, they don't really know if you're getting good care or not, so they try to use surrogates to determine whether you have quality of care. So it's yeah. usually data. So a lot of doctor's offices, in an attempt to uh, provide the insurance companies and the government the data they're requesting to try to assess the quality of care, are actually diverting people from staff from providing that care to becoming data entry clerks. Well, consumers just naturally make that assessment. Did I like my, my interaction with my doctor? Did they answer in a timely fashion? Did they listen to me? Did they answer the questions I wanted? Um, instead, when it's a third party, they're trying to guess at what you really need. Well, was your A1C in a, a decent range? Well, it's a little more complicated than just looking at a yeah, number, yeah. you know, the assessment of quality. And patients do that innately um, and free of cost. So, Doctor, if uh, we had have listeners that would be interested in following up and knowing more, how do you go about finding a, 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 a choice direct care type of a practice in, in our area? Sure. So there's a website called DPC Frontier. And if you go to DPC Frontier, I believe it's .com. You may want to plug it into Google and see. There's actually a mapper feature. So it'll create a map of the United States. You can click on Florida or wherever you, wherever you live, and you'll see stars on the map of practices that are analogous to my own. They're not all independent practices, so they're not identical. Um, and it's not, there's no all-inclusive map. So there may be practices that are, that are in existence that are not on that, but that's one of the best ones that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, the website again? Uh, DPC Frontier, I believe, .com. Very good. Doctor, again, Dr. Chad Savage, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure, Bob. Thanks my, so much. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Ryan Young. He's a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Reed, I'm sorry, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Ryan Young. He's a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Ryan, would you tell us about the Competitive Enterprise Institute? 
Sure. CEI is a think tank based in Washington, and we specialize in all kinds of regulation, uh, which is one of the most important factors, uh, frankly, for why we have a weak GDP report this week. So it's, uh, it's a delight to be on. Uh, it's great to have you on. And uh, by the way, I certainly appreciate the, the contribution that the CEI makes to uh, our economy and, and really rallying around and trying to reduce the number of regulations that kind of gum up our economy. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the first quarter's uh, GDP growth, about 1.1%. What are your thoughts? It should be at least double that, if not triple that. Um, but at the same time, it could be a lot worse. Um, there's, there's a bias in the news towards talking only about what's happening right now, this news cycle. Um, this week's GDP numbers go back uh, as part of a much larger story, going all the way back to COVID. We had a healthy economy that was hit by a pandemic and shut down, then opened up back again. Um, that's the short story. The trouble is, uh, that government massively overreacted by growing the money supply by 40% mm. and by spending $5 trillion plus of new government spending. Um, and the price of a stimulus today is a slowdown tomorrow, and now it's tomorrow. So today's numbers are the result of a years-long overreaction to a crisis, and it's still going to be some time before we're out of it. So we're looking at tepid growth for probably the rest of the year. Yeah, and uh, we talk about this soft landing that we're all looking for, but the, the problem is that right now we not only have the threat of inflation, which continues, but also recession, and uh, that's, I think, called stagflation. Yes, that's right. And we're lucky that the economy was in good shape heading into COVID. There was no financial crisis, no housing crisis, no savings and loan bubble. Um, we had a healthy economy. So it's uh, one reason why we actually are having growth now instead of it going negative again is because those underlying fundamentals are healthy and they're standing up against that barrage of stimulus and, and inflation that's, that it's being hit with right now. And while the Fed is doing the right thing to, to uh, fix inflation, um, let's not forget that they caused it in the first place right. and that we are paying the price right now for those mistakes. Growth is going to be slow. Um, we're going to have to pay the price for that stimulus at some point and that happens to be right now. Thankfully, it could be worse. Right, and and yet uh, I wonder, it just mystifies me, why we have such uh, uh, low unemployment. It just continues to baffle me. It, it, I guess we have billions of less workers than we had before the pandemic, and yet uh, unemployment remains at 3.5%. Well, part of that um, is because unemployment actually isn't a very full statistic. It only captures people who are actively looking for work. Mm -hmm. What happened during COVID is we had a lot of early retirements, about a million and a half. Mm. And as a result of that, the labor force, the number of people either looking for work or actively searching for work, it's about a million and a half people smaller than it was. It was before the pandemic about 162 million people in the labor force. Now it's about 161 million or so. Oh. Um, so early retirements explain part of that, and some of that was made possible um, by COVID relief payments. People took those that money instead of spending it like uh, Washington intended, they saved it, and some people decided, I'm just going to stop working. And we're still feeling a little bit of pain from that. Hmm, interesting. Um, so, uh, Ryan, um, uh, the... Uh, I, if, we see that we're, uh, we're paying more and more in our interest rates. I think the number's up to 3.5% of our GDP. Uh, going to uh, interest payments right now, uh, is that a concern? Yes, it is, and it's Washington's fault. Um, and you, you hear a lot of pressure from Congress and from the administration um, against the Fed raising interest rates, which it has to do. Mm -hmm. um, I think what people are forgetting is that um, the rule of thumb is that lower interest rates equals stimulus, more economic activity. When you raise rates, you slow things down. Um, and the Fed's been raising rates as a way to fight inflation. You know, it's a way to fix its own mistakes. Um, but people are forgetting that inflation rates were artificially low for years and years, probably the last 15, 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. And now that they're raising back to regular levels, um, people are complaining because uh, those rates are affecting mortgages, car payments, student loans um, that affect everybody. Um, but the trouble is, uh, those rates, the federal funds rate that the Fed controls, is still below the rate of inflation. It's below zero in real terms. That is unrealistic. Prices have been distorted for years, and now that the Fed is finally moving to get them to a more realistic level, yeah. um, a lot of people are complaining, and there's a lot of pressure coming from Washington. So the question is, 
is the Fed going to hold strong? Is it going to keep fixing the mistakes that it made? Interesting. So we've had a, a couple of bank failures right now. Uh, and uh, with interest rates growing because of the uh, tr effort to fight inflation, uh, banks are paying the price too. How's the state of uh, small banks and uh, banks in general? That depends on how well they're managed. Um, the low interest rates have given a lot of banks bad incentives. Um, mm -hmm. The question is, how is management going to respond to that? We got one answer with Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, they were poorly managed. Uh, they caused billions and billions of dollars of losses over chasing 0.4 percentage points of yield. That's bad management. And while bad regulations and bad interest rate policy gave them bad incentives to behave that way, other banks have, are being much more prudent, which I am thankful for, um, not just because of the bailout machine that now exists in Washington, um, but because the Fed still has work to do. Um, yeah. Like we just talked about, the federal funds rate is still below zero in real terms, which means the Fed still has some interest rate hiking to do, uh, which might expose a few more badly managed banks. Uh, hmm. But you compare that price with the uh, possible alternative prices, it's, it's a game of choose your bads, and we have to choose whichever bad is less bad. Well, thank you for that, Ryan, clarification. I mean, by the way, I think I read the Competitive Enterprise Institute uh, supported the notion of auditing the Fed. And I uh, just wonder if you'd uh, be willing to comment on that. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, transparency is something that we value, not just in the Fed, but in the regulatory process as a whole. But I think the biggest fix we can do for the Fed is to bind it with a policy rule. The reason that they grew the money supply by 40% and caused the big post-COVID inflation is because they had the discretion to do so. Mm -hmm. If we instead bind them with a set rule, if there's a change in GDP, then they change the money supply or interest rates to match it, um, then they could have never done that in the first place. It would also insulate them from political pressure like they're facing now from the administration and from Congress to do their bidding on interest rate policy instead of playing a monetary matching game, which is what they're supposed to do. Um, so that, I think, along with some transparency like an audit, would do, go a long way towards preventing some of the crisis abuses that we've seen in the last few years. Well, Ryan, I just genuinely appreciate this commentary. I, I believe the uh, website for Competitive Enterprise Institute is CEI.org. CEI.org. That's right. <clears throat> Ryan, I really appreciate your com uh, commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Professor Larry Bell. He's been a weekly guest on the show for years. Uh, he, uh, is a, he is a uh, endowed professor at the University of Houston, Space Architecture. He's also the author of about a dozen books, and he writes a column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere 
that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in state legislatures. I hope you check it out. The website is thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It's a terrific read. Also writes a column a couple of times a week uh, for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, I always enjoy our conversations. Thank you so much. I do as well. Thank you, Professor. Your latest column, Nation's Justice System, colon, two-tiered, politicized. I couldn't agree more. Maybe you can tell us about it. You know, this is a recurring theme, uh, you know, for a lot of us. I don't think there's any question that we've seen uh, uh, a, a two-tiered system, if if any system at all, of late. And, and in this article, I just point out a couple, you know, recent examples. I say recent because they're not that they occurred recently, but, you know, as they, as they peel back some of the facts, we're realizing that Perhaps in a lot of the suspicions we've had were were, were accurate ones, and uh, you know I think these are rather prominent issues and consequential ones. And, and the first one I, I talk about is uh, the revelation that our our Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is the guy who 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 uh, prompted the fifty one former spooks and current spooks, you know, intelligence officials to. Uh, write a letter just ahead of the 2020 election you know, disclaiming authenticity of, of Hunter's laptop, yeah. dis- dismissing it as, as arrest and disinformation and so on. And, uh, and then, you know, when you, when you look at that, the you know, the, the significance of that, Here, here's Anthony Blinken, who's been a, a partisan hack for, you know, throughout his career. The guy who was CEO of the of the Biden Center in Pennsylvania that uh, took in you know millions of dollars of donations from China uh, for you know for Biden's for Biden's center there. Um, here's here's a fellow who who actually prompted that you know, uh, you know through. Uh, the CIA uh, contacts and so on to get this letter out that that uh, Biden used during during the debates with Trump, saying that, you know that all these former CIA and and uh, FBI officials etc. Uh, disregarded or uh, uh, believed that this you know the so-called Russian earmarks of interference all over this uh, notion about the laptop uh, uh, information and uh, showing, you know, that it was, that it was just a, a Russian uh, plant. Yeah. And then, and then the second one was this revelation that doesn't really think surprises that much that the investigation of, of Hunter again on, from, uh, from these uh, suspicious activity reports that the Treasury Department's had, uh, have, you know the, the the case in Delaware district district court uh, that suggests and I, you know, recognizes that there may be tax issues and failures to report as a foreign uh, you know lobbyist and so on. That all that stuff has been. Stonewalled and blocked from coming to the into the public sphere, as well by by Treasury and and, and the court there, which 
in, in Congress and in the House you know, Oversight Committee, and James Comer is kind of peeling some of that stuff back. Treasury has been balking in terms of uh, releasing those those activity reports from Treasury, but but uh, whistleblower now within IRS saying you know that this is not equal treatment. You know this is it's got politics written all over it yeah. to uh, keep that out. So these are just a couple of uh, rather blatant examples, I think, that uh, evidence this this duplicity of justice. Right, and, and of course, uh, in juxtaposition to that, you take a look at, for example, uh, uh, Christians who have been uh, singing uh, hymns in front of the Planned Parenthood getting arrested at, at their homes with a man with eight kids. <laughs> Just unbelievable. I mean, the the, the response. And how about President Trump and, and uh, what I consider to be just, uh, it's unlawful what they're doing in terms of attacking him in so many different ways. Well, you know, it was very dramatic when the FBI, you know, the regional office specifically in Washington, uh, with uh, Merrick Garland's uh, 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 direction or approval, raided Mar-a-Lago for yeah. for documents that, uh, as, a pre- as president, you know, former president, he was, you know, Trump was... Uh, fully authorized to de- declassify, and yet there was crickets when uh, Joe Biden, you know, when these stashes turned up with, of documents turned up uh, in five different locations, yeah. including, including the Biden Center that I mentioned, and and in a box, in boxes next to his Corvette in his garage in, in Delaware, and, you know, crickets, and, and, uh, and he had no authority to, you know, to declassify, so... Yeah, it's it's over and over and over again. Or you look at the, you know, the um, two tier system in terms of, you know, you know the recent, you know, we you know we had briefly mentioned before airtime that uh, thing with Tucker Carlson and one one of the you know issues with Carlson that he got you know that Fox got all uh, upset about was, I guess, was the release of. Videos of of the capital of the so-called capital riots showing, you know, they weren't they weren't all what what the you know the Democrats used to cherry pick and show that it was you know that it was uh, you know this mayhem and bedlam that, and uh, you know these 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 things uh, clearly show that uh, the the organizations that we rely upon to protect us. FBI being the key one, it seems like it's been politically weaponized against against us, and it's it's again the, the fox guarding the, the hen house, and uh, yeah. and we chickens are kind of worried about that. <laughs> you should say that again. I think I read uh, a poll this morning by Rasmussen that apparently seventy percent of the American people are concerned that the government is spying on. On them, that's a sad state of affairs. But uh, I think I thought I was alone. But uh, man, most Americans are really concerned about uh, government interference in their lives. Well, and also the collusion between a lot of the elite media and government and on the spying. Where you know we have these, we have these, uh, you know, these organizations that are routinely uh, collecting information on us and what we purchase and so on for marketing purposes and where we travel and what our politics are and so on. But now we're recognizing, again, through, you know, release of the, some of the Twitter information by Musk, that there's this uh, cozy you know, uh, relationship between the Biden administration and these uh, oligarchs and, 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 and business corporations where, where it's, it's a, it's a pretty ugly partnership yeah. because we're being data mined and and propagandized. Now we now throw AI in the mix with chatbots and and so on that, that uh, you know that uh, create you know you know create fantasies and news uh, at will. Yeah, it's it's uh, terrifying. It is indeed. Again, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Latest book, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design, a great read. I encourage 
our listeners to uh, get a copy of it. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, it's much enjoyed. Thank you so much. My pleasure indeed. And by the way, uh, go to Newsmax.com and uh, check out uh, Professor Bell's column on point. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. On Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Uh, Larry Reed endowed, I should say, uh, Pre- President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Dr. Lee Gross will be joining us as well here, a medical doctor here in Florida. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden.com. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.